I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Sam Weeb joins me again. He's just published the fourth book in his uh, Wakeland Detective series. Sunset in Jericho is the title of the book, and it's a gripping story with uh, Vancouver as its backdrop and private detective Dave Wakeland as our central character navigating Vancouver's seedy underworld. Wakeland is in the midst of uh, class warfare in the ever-unaffordable Vancouver as the mayor's brother goes missing and a transit cop is beaten and her service weapon is stolen. I'll get Sam to tell us as much as he'd like about the book, the compelling character of Dave Wakeland, and the Vancouver he talks about in fiction, not just in this book, but the previous ones, Invisible Dead, Cut You Down, and Helen Gone. His other books include Never Going Back, Last of the Independence, and the anthology Vancouver Noir, which he edited. He's received the Crime Writers of Canada Award and the Kobo Emerging Writers Prize, and his books have appeared on the shortlist for the Edgar Hammett, Seamus, and City of Vancouver Prizes. Uh, this uh, new book is uh, from Harbor Publishing. Visit samweeb.com for more. He joined me from his home in New Westminster, B.C. last week. Please uh, welcome back to the Plant Online Program, Sam Weeb. Mr. Weeb, good morning. Good morning, Joe. How's it going? Pretty good yourself. It's been a while since we've, uh, since we've talked. It has, it has. But um, I, um, I, I'm a, uh, an avid reader of the newsletter, which uh, <laughs> people can go to your website, I guess, and they can sign up there. Is that right? Yeah, it's samweeb.com. Substack.com. Yeah, um, I'm really enjoying Sunset in Jericho, and, and um, uh, it has been a while since I, I've, I've uh, I guess, read about Dave. Um, when we see Dave, he's in the mayor's office. How old is he now? Because I seem to recall in the first book he was about thirty. Is that right? Yeah, in the very first book he's just about to turn thirty, and in this one he's a couple years shy of forty. So there's been quite a a growth or a uh, evolution or devolution in his character since then. And, and he's fallen in love, hasn't he? And and he's lost love at the, uh, when we meet him in this book, right? Yeah. So he was in a long-term relationship with um, a police officer named Sonia Drago, who moves to Montreal and totally breaks his heart. And now he's sort of alone. Um, everyone else in the office has uh, the flu, just the regular flu. Yeah. So he's kind of the last the last person left standing um, in his life right now. Yeah, uh, Jeff, his partner, Jeff Chen, he's married as well. Um, and uh, his sister, I guess, works in the office. Is that right? Yeah, Kay. Yeah. Um, something that, that, that I noticed as I was reading the book is, is that um, you, you deal so marvelously with, with contrast. Um, he's sitting in the mayor's office, and, and he's looking north towards the mountains from City Hall there. And um, he, he describes just the beauty of, of Vancouver that we all know about, you know, especially when, it, when, when the mountains are covered in snow. And then when he gets to the street with Jeff after their meeting at City Hall, um, you describe just how ugly it is, you know, after it snowed, when, when, it's, uh, when the snow on the street there is dark and slushy. You capture these two sides, the nice and the bad and uh, the, the good and the bad, the beautiful and the ugly. I, is it f uh, fun for you to see both sides, to see these contrasts? Yeah, and I think that that's a huge part of crime fiction, is that that ugly and beauty connected. Um, you know, cities like Vancouver that have this beautiful tourist uh, face, and then what's actually going on in there. And uh, it, it's really a theme of Sunset and Jericho, that there's this, you know, 
world of privilege and uh, money, and then this other world that seems to be getting getting crushed and beaten down a bit. And what happens when when those sides finally come into contact? It's a great title, by the way. You don't have to be from Vancouver to appreciate just how good a title Sunset and Jericho is. Thank you. I'm more proud of that title than any other title. I just think it, I don't know, I think it captures something about the book. It captures something about Vancouver. Uh, without patting myself on the back too much, I think it rolls off the tongue pretty nicely. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, cl- class contrast, that's something that we also um, uh, see in the book. Uh, and, you know, depending on where you are, Sam, um, not just physically but mentally, um, it's it's obviously a reality for a lot of people, but, but not a lot of people, I guess, are, are um, thinking of, say, class warfare as urgent or, or even just talking about it. Is, is that something that you've noticed as well? Well, I think there is a lot of compassion fatigue. And mm. what I hear a lot of is people um, almost just speaking past each other and not really able to empathize or put themselves in, in the situation of someone else. And, you know, it's not like I'm uh, immune to that either. I mean, it's tough to, it's tough to, to see what's been going on with the city and what's been going on with... City Hall and the police department, and, and all of those factors, and still remain, uh, you know, somewhat open. But um, I, I do think that in the last few years, there's been a real undercurrent of of unrest, and um, maybe the pandemic has played into that a little bit. Yeah. But I think it always comes back to real estate and just how how gosh darn expensive it is to live here. Indeed, indeed. And the other thing that, I mean, you talk to a lot of people, I'm sure, and, and, and you certainly see this online. Everyone has an opinion on how to solve the real estate problem, money laundering, or the drug crisis, um, the cost of living even. But, but the opinions aren't as informed as they should be. I mean, I, I don't know why I'm bringing this up now in terms of, I mean, it's always been like that, I guess, when, whenever people have something to say. How, and, and when it comes to, to say, class, um, you don't have very many people talking um, from wherever they are to, to wherever other people are, if you know what I mean. Like, like if, if, if we're talking about the downtown east side, for example, a lot of people have an opinion on how to fix that but it's not informed by the experience of people who are there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a huge, uh, a huge part of it. And um, also it's informed by, you know, where it was, uh, where a lot of those social services were put originally and the fact that so many of them were put close to Chinatown. I mean, that, that puts a huge stress on that community as well. And there's, there's just so many factors to that, that discussion. And, um, you know, you, you really just hear a lot of people saying that they're fed up with with seeing, you know, whatever. But um, it's it's like they're just talking to themselves. Like they haven't really, yeah. they're not really open to a conversation or a dialogue about that. Yeah. There's a group in the book called The Death of Kings. Um, what is this group about? Well, I don't want to give too much away, yeah. but um, there is, uh, there are two murders in the book. There's one of the mayor's brother, who is this very upper class. I, I kind of was thinking about Roger Clinton, sort of the oh, uh, yeah. the political, powerful, um, 
you know, the, the brother of someone in power who's kind of a ne'er-do-well in the family. Yeah. And then on the other hand, there's this character named Kyle Halliday who has kind of dropped out of society. He's moved into an SRO and taken his uh, his wife's car and kind of cut himself off from everyone. And he's he's revealed to be part of this group, which is willing to use violence for a, I think, a kind of an altruistic political mo- uh, motive. But what happens, of course, anytime you sanction the use of violence, yeah. is that that gets twisted and leads to complications you can't uh, imagine. And Dave, of course, finds himself right in between them. Yeah. Um, I mentioned uh, City Hall, so you mentioned the mayor's brother. Um Another case that, that he sort of uh, gets involved with, uh, our hero Dave, um, is this uh, case of the, the, the transit police cop who, I guess it's a commercial station, is that right, where um, she gets beaten up pretty badly and loses her gun? Yes. So she's attacked by uh, this group and uh, her service weapon is taken. Yeah. I, I, I kept wondering as I was starting the book is, is, is why the mayor's office well, in that meeting with the mayor's chief of staff, uh, there is someone from VPD there. Um, yeah. Why uh, the mayor's office, and then in in the case of the transit police officer, why they would turn to a to a PI in their situations? I guess that's not uncommon, is it? Well, it's it's totally uncommon, and they wouldn't. And it's actually someone in the mayor's office who knows the brother who says, you know, let's bring in somebody else to mm. just get another set of eyes on this case. Um, originally, they're very against that. Um, and it's it's Wakeland's way into the case. And um, in the case of the transit cop, it's more just that if she hopes to get this gun back, somebody who's able to kind of go into the, the parts of the, uh, the city where police are maybe not smiled upon as much. Yeah. Uh, you know, might have a better chance of getting it back. I think she's just uh, deathly afraid of that gun being used, and that's uh, that's her motivation. Are there a lot of PIs in, in, in Vancouver today? Uh, there are. Um, most of their jobs do not involve anything near what, uh, what Wakeland does. Um, you know, there's a lot of legal investigation. There's a lot of will, like tracing people who uh-huh. inherited money, yeah. things like that insurance fraud. Um, it's not as glamorous or as violent a job as uh, it is in literature. So so when you you uh, create a character like Dave and, and, and he gets himself into all these, these, these marvelous things that he, he gets into, these exciting you know escapades, if you will, um, that, that must be a great deal of fun for you as a writer to do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's part of a tradition of the, the private eye as kind of the... Uh, the small business person, somebody who's kind of uh, independent and alone in the city and is able to move through different social stratum and, uh, and talk to different people. So I, I really enjoy that, that as a metaphor a lot. And then with Dave's partner, Jeff Chen, he's much more into the private security part, which is definitely more of a realistic business model and um, type of private investigator that you see. And, uh, there's sort of a clash between them, where Dave is much more, you know, focused on the ethics of a case or just, you know, barreling headlong, and Jeff is more of an overall uh, big-picture thinker. 
You take the reader, Sam, to, to a lot of places in, in, in the Metro Vancouver area, a lot of places that, that, that those of us who live here recognize. Is there a favorite place for you to write about? Um, I mean, a, a favorite place in Vancouver? I, I love it all. Um, I really like it when I can show people a, a place that they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't normally, like, go. Um, the Narrow Lounge on Main was really fun to write about because I have good memories of, you know, going for drinks there. Mm-hmm. Um, in Helen Gone, the book before Sunset in Jericho, there was a little cameo with um, Pulp Fiction Books, my favorite uh, local bookstore. Yeah, yeah. Um, favorite of many great options, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many great ones. Um, so things like that are really good. Um, yeah, I like the neighborhood aspect. You know, in Sunset and Jericho, there's a part that takes place on Commercial Drive. Yeah. And I just got to write about this neighborhood where I lived for a decade and, you know, some of the things that you see and just some of the, the flavor of that. So, yeah, I do try to impart some of that into the books. Yeah, I mean, I I know the drive. Um, you know, I, I go there regularly. But the way you write yeah. about it, it, it it's such a, it's a marvelous way to look at it. Um it's it's like you're showing it off to to a different audience, and and it made me realize all the great places that that that, that I've been to. Some of them I haven't been to, um, but that I know about because I've, I've walked by them, say over the years. Um, it made me, even though I, I live in the city, want to go back there, if you will. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, I think that's um, that's part of the joy of writing a book like this, where the loca- locale is uh, is so central to the story. And I know that um, one of my heroes, Ian Rankin, has said that you know the best tourist books that you can get are crime novels set in uh, a city that you're visiting, just because you'll get you'll get a sense of like that actual flavor of the city, and not just the you know the tourist high spots and things like that. So I told you before we started, I didn't finish the book, and I did it on purpose because I, I have a terrible habit of giving away things during an interview uh, or asking questions that that I'm interested in that'll probably spoil it for for the listener. Um, the, the thing that I can't get over that that, that I'm, I'm enjoying a great deal is, is is how you pace the book as you do. Um, the, 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 and, and the other the other aspect of it that I'm really enjoying is that there is uh, in the writing almost like a poetry quality in terms of, of say, an economy of words, that, that nothing is wasted. Uh, I was going to ask you how you pace the book as you do, but, I mean, that, that, that seems like a, a silly question in terms of, of uh, uh, how the sausage is made, if you will. But but when you are writing, um, as I'm reading it, it seems like you're having a lot of fun. Are you? Um, you know, sometimes it's more fun than others, but... Yeah. Um, you know, like what you what you mentioned with the pacing. I mean, that's not a that's not a um, a bad question. It is incredibly important. I think, especially with genre fiction, because it's it is meant to be read. It's not um, it's not just self expression. It's self expression funneled through a medium of popular entertainment. It's meant to be digested pretty easily, and then. Hopefully there are things to think about afterwards. So I, I really do um, work on the pacing, and I'm I'm sort of an endless reviser. I write by hand and then type it up and then print it off and you know revise it just again and again. But you know the rhythm is really important to me. Just making sure that it's you know it's propulsive, also enough 
um, meat on the bone for um, for people to get, you know, more than just like a, just a thriller out of it. Yeah, it's hard to put down, and um, I was making notes with with each chapter. And each chapter is pretty short. I think there's like seventy, more than seventy chapters in the book. Um, and I was making notes, and, and I noticed that, that I was asking about little things that you were writing about um, in each chapter. You know, why did you uh, depict this the way you did, or uh, why is it important that we know that so-and-so looks like this, etc. Um, and then I realized I was getting into the weeds. Um, but these things are deliberate, aren't they? And, and um, I was going to say you're having fun as you're writing, but, but it is a lot of work in terms of, say, um, the actual writing, and I, I guess there's a lot of rewriting, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a quote from Hemingway, I think, or, or one of those canonical guys that, um, you know, when you start out writing, you have all the fun and the reader has none. <laughs> By the time you're done, it's, it should reverse. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, everything's deliberate, and especially with a mystery, I mean, you have to set up so much, and people are kind of on the look or on the on the hunt for clues. So you have to put those in, but also, um, you know, it can't be too obvious. Do you think that there's a certain freedom in fiction that you can say things about Vancouver that you couldn't say if you were writing, say, a, a, a piece of nonfiction, an op-ed for the newspaper, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, I like writing nonfiction, but I definitely feel that. Uh, the fiction captures more of my my sense of the spirit of the city, uh, both both what I like and what I, I hate about. Yeah, and and what has kept you here after all these? I know you live in New Westminster now. I read that in one of the reviews they describe as New Westminster Sam Weeb. Uh, I still think of uh, uh, New Westminster as Metro Vancouver, so we'll use that yeah. term if you will. Well, what's kept you here? I mean, because it is so bloody expensive. It, um, it is unappealing in some aspects, but but uh, a lot of us do stay here, and, and I'm wondering, what are the reasons for you? Um, well, I fell in love, dude. I, um, <laughs> I was all set to move in about 2016, and uh, I met my, my partner, Carly, and she was from Guelph, uh-huh. and she was just, I'm not going back anywhere east. I've had those winters and those summers. No, thank you. So... We're stuck in the Lower Mainland, and then during the pandemic, um, you know, we were living in my very cramped East Broadway one-bedroom apartment, and it was very difficult to sort of be home. And I was teaching, and she was, uh, you know, taking her her electrician course at the same time. And you know, one of us would be in the bedroom working on patio furniture, while the other one was in the living room, and you couldn't go to the bathroom while classes were on because you'd be um, you know, walking behind the screen. And yeah. it, was, uh-huh. it was quite a nightmare. So we kind of looked at the places that we could afford and the places we wanted to live, and New Westminster was at the top. Like you said, it has a real um, Vancouver 30 years ago kind of feel. Yeah. There's still a little bit of an edge to it, which I like. Yeah. But the houses have that that familiar look to them. The neighborhoods are really nice. There's great places to walk. And, um, and I think that those are the advantages of, of Vancouver... Uh, writ large, it's just a beautiful place to live. It's very difficult, but um, I'm committed to staying here. Wakeland, though, I, I don't know if he will stay or not. Um, uh, and I don't want to give anything away, but uh, you'll have to read 
the end of Sunset in Jericho to find out. Yeah. Um, you, you said you were thinking of, of leaving. Where were you thinking of going to? Well, I love Montreal. That was uh-huh. probably my, my top uh, pick. Also a very affordable city, and I have a brother who lives there. Um, Halifax was on the list for a heartbeat, but now Halifax has, believe it or not, a housing crisis. So that uh, got knocked off the list. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's anywhere as good as New West for me. I, I really love it. And so when you, when, when you write about Dave's relationship to this part of the, 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 uh, the world, to, to, to Vancouver itself, um, do you, um, I mean, what he's feeling about Vancouver, I think, is, is what a lot of people are feeling. But, I mean, he gets to see a different side of Vancouver as well. Um, it's a complicated relationship with Dave, isn't it? Absolutely. It's very um, love-hate. It's uh, a little bit um, fraught and violent, and I think it uh, it's a little degenerative for him in that um, he really loves living here, but it, it grinds him down. And that's, that is one of the things that comes up he he feels very similar to what this this group of uh, of radicals the death yeah he's he's um, he's not a fundamentally violent person but he's familiar with violence and this is this is kind of coming to a head in the story so it's kind of about what happens when you sympathize more with the, the people doing doing violence than uh, your own clients in yeah. this case yeah. Uh, by the way, when you're writing longhand, as you do, um, do you drink a lot of tea? I used to, yes. Now it's uh, one cup of coffee and um, water. Yeah. yeah. Um, I noticed that Dave drinks a lot of tea. Um, he drinks a lot of other things as well, but, but I guess as opposed to coffee, I'm wondering why that is. Well, the... Uh the, the very dumb reason is that when I started writing the series, I was not a coffee drinker. But uh. <laughs> uh, the life of a writer will do that. But also, I, I thought there was something uh, kind of cool about about giving him tea as a preferred beverage. It's It's got a long colonial history, as yeah. does BC. And the London Fog is kind of the Vancouver, um, you know, the, the drink we're known for. Yeah. And uh, and I, I do love it. I, I love... Um, you know, Murchies and all those things. It, it seems almost like, you know, I write crime novels and I love, you know, high tea at the Empress, but uh, I've been a couple times and it's pretty great. Yeah, yeah it is, isn't it? But I just, I just love the, the, him walking around his office and, and, and we can see the tea bags, say, or the box of tea bags, and then him walking around with his mug and it, it, and it is tea. Um, I like knowing that, if you will, about him. Yeah, it's kind of this weird quirk where, um, I mean, I think... I think in some ways he has a very addictive personality and having that, you know, it has to be Twining's Earl Grey. It has to be, you know, prepared this way. And, um, and when people mess that up, as they frequently do, if you ever order a cup of tea and <laughs> they just bring you a cup of warm water and a, a bag, it's, uh, it just gets under his skin a little bit. So yeah. I, I kind of like that too. Just writing about noir, you also read about it and think about it as as you do. Does, does it give you an understanding of why some people do bad things? Yeah, I I think so. I think that um, you know, 
crime fiction and noir really speaks to the the kind of uncomfortable impulses that people have that they're not that, that they don't want other people and that other people also have and recognize and I'm not saying those are good or civilizing impulses but I think that they're they're a lot more common than uh, you know people let on. Yeah, and 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 I guess the the underlying thing that, and not just this book, but the the other three, um, it's about survival, isn't it? And 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 unfortunately, to to do that, some of us go to to great extremes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the great virtues of the private detective novel as a as a subgenre is that it really is about the underdog. It's about somebody who's you know, not always on the winning side, and getting to show that in fiction, um, you know, it's pretty rare. I mean, most most movies and most books are about overdogs. They're about, you know, people who succeed wildly and superheroes and stuff like that. So it, it's kind of great to, um, to to focus on the people who are going to lose more often than they win. So a lot of people like like Dave a lot and and love your books a great deal. Um, will we see Dave again? I mean, you alluded to, to um, the ending of the book where uh, we'll have to read and, and find out what Dave does. But I mean, are, are you working on another book now? I guess is is the question I have. Um, I am working on another book. Uh, whether or not Wakeman comes back, uh, you know, I'm going to leave that as a cliffhanger right now. But I hope that people will check out Sunset and Jericho and let me know what they think of the ending because I think it's uh, it's a pretty good slam bang finish. Um, I hope it's not the end of the series, but you know, I and I'm not trying to be coy, yeah. but it's uh, we'll see. He, he seems like a hard a person to, to shake off, and I'm sure a lot of readers feel the same way. Yeah, I I don't know that he's the most likable protagonist of all time but i think that i think the voice is as honest as i can make it and i think that it's a type of book that nobody else is really doing and i also think the series is getting better i think yeah. and jericho and helen gone are are really strong books that could be picked up uh even if you haven't looked at the first two um which i also like but um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I I think that there's uh, there's something quite unique about this book and this series, and uh, I I'm you know I'm biased in this, but I do feel like it's uh, it's broken a little bit of new ground. Yeah, I you're absolutely right that Dave is not somebody that that um, we like at all. Not not at all, I should say. I mean, there's things that we like about him, but I I, I think. Um, you just can't turn away. I guess it's like a, sort of like a car accident. that You just can't not look at him. Yeah, I think that that, that is sort of... Um, his character has an addictive or compulsive element to it. And my hope is that readers feel a little bit like that too. That even if they don't know why he's doing this or, you know, why he keeps doing this, um, you know, they're compelled to, to see it through just the way he is. And, um, you know, sometimes lost causes are the ones most worth fighting for. And then that, 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 no, that's not just Dave, but it's Vancouver, isn't it? Yeah, and I stole it uh, from um, 
um, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. But, uh, <laughs> edit that part out. <laughs> um, you mentioned teaching. Um, uh, how, how do you find time to write, Sam? Well, uh, writing is my my primary um, uh, money-getting activity at the moment. Uh, I do also teach through the Humber uh, Writers Program uh-huh. uh, as a mentor, and uh, writing masterclass that I run uh, online, and I do workshops and things like that. Um, I, I love teaching, but um, for the foreseeable future, I'm uh, focused on on writing. And it, because of the writing that you do is, is rather dark, um, is there a time of day that you do it better? Say, well. It used to be just whenever I could, but um, my schedule has pretty much hardened to working in the morning and afternoon, just because Carly's out of the house, and once the cat is fed, I have this block of time that I can work and uh, kind of be, you know, not disturbed while I'm while I'm at it. I also just find that I enjoy the days when I don't have the anxiety of whether or not I'm going to get to it. Uh-huh. So if I get to it first thing. Then it's uh, you know th- then it's over. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, long may it continue, and um, I, I'm a big fan, and and um, I just urge people to pick up Sunset and Jericho as well as the the, the three in the series, as well as your other work. Um, there's some good writing there. Uh, I so appreciate your time. It's nice to chat again. All the best. Thanks so much, and uh, my my pleasure. The website for more is at samweeb.com. The book is called Sunset and Jericho. It's published uh, by Harbor. Sam Weeb, its author, joined me on the line from New Westminster in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta.